0: Hi, this is Ricardo, Pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving, life-changing. Take care. Amen. Hey Amen. I'm going to invite uh, Frank Morrison up here. Frank, come on up. And Frank is the director of our discipleship processes, if you will, or discipleship relationships. And so excited to have you be that and a part of what we're doing to make disciples that make disciples. And we're taking our, one of our big first steps and that's creating starting points. So let us, tell us your heart about starting point.
1: Yes, yes, uh, I'm so honored. Uh, thankful to the Lord that we as a church are entering into the journeys of those people who are seekers, who those people who have questions about God, about spirituality, about who Jesus Jesus is. And so, <clears throat> Every Sunday, we're going to have a starting point up here and on the second floor. And it's going to be a safe environment where people can ask questions about God, about, about uh, Jesus, and about our faith. And uh, remember, it is us who are su- supposed to enter into the journeys of the people who are uh, yet to find God's love, God's grace, and God's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're doing as a church. That's part of our mission. And I'm asking you to uh, support me by praying for those people who God is calling to come. And second, that it will be God who, is, who will speak to them. That the Holy Spirit, we know for sure, will show up because this is God's will. And we know that when the Holy Spirit shows up, life, transformation happens. Yes. And so i'm asking you first of all for prayer and also for you to invite your friends your family or yourself if you have questions if you are starting out in in your faith in your journey uh, of discipleship come yourself and be ready to encounter the holy spirit
0: yeah so it's going to be yeah thank you it's going to be an eight eight week course it's going to be during church so if you are in the process of kind of figuring out faith, kicking the tires of faith, or whatever, we want, we realize you're going to miss this service for eight weeks, or as, as long as you choose to be a part of that, but um, for those eight weeks, you're not going to regret missing this, because you can always get this online, right? I mean, you want to be in here, if you possibly can be in here, but um, for, we, we believe that this is important enough to um, miss church for the eight weeks, and it's going to give you a foundation And it's going to give you an opportunity to learn more about your faith or bring a friend who has a lot of questions about faith and wants to get in, kind of figure it out. Sometimes people want to figure things out before they'll come in this room. They need to go through another process. So this is a great opportunity. And Frank, I'm so excited that you're doing it. And uh, we're very, very excited to start Starting Point. And that will be the Sunday following Easter that we will begin. All right? Thank you, sir. Thank you. God bless you. I want to encourage everybody that can. We only have 50 of these. So um, these are yard signs. You can put these in your yard. Easter at Journey gives the date, the time, all that kind of stuff. So we encourage you to grab these, put them in your yard, and let God do the other work. Okay? This is kind of like ring and run. Okay? This is kind of like ring and run. You just leave it out there and let God do the work. You You don't have to do this. But if you want to, you can. Um, There's all kinds of ways you can use that, but put it um, in a place where where it's obvious, where people will walk by and see it, and you can have a good time with that, all right? And so use that as um, your tool. I want to encourage you, 40 miles of prayer is going amazing. I'm hearing some stories about people meeting people on their walks. I've met some people on my walks and all those kinds of things, but 40 miles of prayer, look at all that. Look at all that. That's amazing. (laughs) So today, if you haven't already gotten your footprint and you haven't put it in that little basket over there, please do. So we want to continue to add to that. Next week, we want to uh, just show people that we've been praying for 40 days, walking a mile every day in our neighborhoods and community and just letting God do the work that uh, we believe he's doing as we continue to pray through our neighborhoods. And one of the things that was said this morning to me was, you know, Pastor, as much as I believe it's changing my, our neighborhood, it's changing me. And uh, I love that. That's what it's all about. And so keep, keep going. <laughs> and let's, let's finish strong. Let's finish strong. Let's really finish with seven more days of prayer, seven more days of walking through our neighborhoods, inviting as many people as we can, Every green foot up, footprint up there is a, a, an invitation, and uh, every little footprint up there is a child walking a mile as well. And so very, very exciting to see what God is doing in our body as we continue to be obedient to Him. So um, very, very excited about that. Um, last thing is, last week we had one of the most, like for me, one of the most emotional experiences of just seeing your generosity. We, at, the end of, at the end of the service, there was $1,200 on stage, 1100 and some dollars. And all of that money was given to needs in our church, and, and we praise God for that. It's gone. It's in the hands of those that need it, and it's just an absolute blessing. And I just want to commend you for your heart. Um, you know, you can come up with ideas or things. I believe it was the Lord who prompted me to do that, and, but it was you that obeyed the heart of God as he prompted you to give. And uh, it was a meaningful, meaningful moment that showed how alive our church is. Showed how exciting our church is to be a part of and to see God do some uh, pretty amazing things. And so I just wanna commend you for everything that you did and uh, the obedience that you showed last week. It was powerful. It was, it was moving beyond, um, just for me personally, just to see our church in such an alive fashion. And uh, I'm a privilege to be a a pastor here. And uh, I I thank God for that. Have you heard the saying, hurt people hurt people? Have you heard the saying, forgiven people forgive people? Because the antidote to hurt, the only antidote to hurt is forgiveness. That's the only way that hurt can really be overcome in our lives is through forgiveness. And so some of you are already shutting me down because you've been hurt and you want to hold on to it. It was in a hospital room where my dad looked at me and said, I've never really liked you. It was in a time where I was playing with my dad and my brother and we were goofing off and I was running into the house and I ran into the house before him, or right, he actually got into the house, my dad got into the house before me and he was gonna keep us out by closing the door and I pushed on the door and for, I w- for, at that moment I was, I was winning and he reached through the door and he pulled my hair and he pushed me away and shut the door and then locked the door and kept us out. And what was like this moment of fun was this moment of disappointment and hurt these are vivid memories in my mind of weeding a garden and it looked pristine and there was one weed I missed and that's the only thing he saw I've been hurt I'm not even sure I'm completely over it to be honest with you (laughs) I'm not even sure I, I mean I'm your pastor can I be real with you? I'm still feeling that. Even as I talk about it, I feel it. I tried to, um, and, I, and, I, and I believe one of the things that, I, I want to make sure that you understand, I'm not trying to dishonor my dad, but I'm trying to give you a, a perspective of hurt and, and hurt in my own life. And, and uh, <clears throat> I, I've, I believe I have forgiven him. And he passed away before I could talk to him about, that last moment when he was in the hospital bed saying what he said, and I, I didn't get to say, I forgive you. I didn't get to say that. I didn't get to say, I love you. I didn't get to say that because he passed away before I could communicate with him. And, and uh, I, so I know what hurt feels like. I know that it kind of boils up inside. Um, I know that it, it eats us up. I don't know about you, but um, I've had plenty of... Um, uh, over my lifetime, I've had those grocery store avoidance moments have you ever gone to the grocery store and you know that the person who hurt you is in the grocery store and so you're walking down an aisle and you're trying to walk down that aisle that they're not in and then every time you come out of that aisle you kind of go and then you walk to the aisle you know they're not in and if you see them in the aisle you go to the next aisle even if you don't need anything down that aisle no, yeah, you, some of you can relate to that. How about those speeches you've rehearsed? Those speeches that, man, if I could just say what I really feel, and if you said what you really feel, it would type out in those all those different letters and things that you, you know, bleep 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 maybe you don't think that way. So you, sometimes I, I'm, I'm like, oh, you shouldn't be thinking that, Ricardo. Those angry speeches, those things that you kind of rehearse, and I would say this, and I would say this, and this is what I would really, and I'd make them pay. I'd really let them know how much they really hurt me. The only way to crush forgiveness, and crushing it means the positive, the only way to live in that forgiveness that God wants us to live in, the only way to live at life to its fullest, the way, only way to lit, crush life is to forgive when we're hurt. And if we don't, then the hurt will destroy us. The hurt will destroy our hearts, it will destroy our, our emotions, it will destroy those things that that cause us to be anxious, that cause us, you say, why am I so anxious? Because inside we have this, this ugliness that we've chosen to kind of hold on to rather than let go of. And the hard part is this. The, the hard part and the reality is simply this, is that forgiveness is not fair. We have to come to that conclusion first thing we have to come to the conclusion that forgiveness is not fair that there's no one it's pretty much one-sided because to really forgive means that I have to say what the hurt that was caused to me no longer am I going to hold against you and that's hard that's hard That's really hard. Forgive, we have to understand that. And and scripture very much talks about forgiveness. And one of the most beautiful things to understand is that the nature of God is to forgive. The nature of God is to forgive. And, you know, we kind of, unfortunately, the church gets a bad rap because the church is viewed as this judgmental group of people instead of this embracing, loving group of people. Why? Because we have portrayed God as the God who keeps his thumb on people and as opposed to died on a cross for people. That we're more about the, the, the do's and the don'ts than we are about the relationship that we have in this context of grace. And so today what I hope is that you will learn to crush forgiveness, that you will learn to live it, life at its Fullest potential by releasing the junk that's in our lives because of this unforgiveness that we have. The very nature of God is to forgive. In Micah chapter 7, verse 18, it says, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Wait a minute, that's an Old Testament passage. I thought God was this ugly, judgmental, angry God in the Old Testament. Not so. He's a God who throws our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Wow. As far as the east is from the west. That's not a circle. It's a straight line. Isaiah 118 says, Come, now let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They are are red as crimson. They shall be like wool. Clean, clear, white. Red to begin with, white when God's finished with us. He's the nature. His very nature is to forgive us. Colossians 2.13 says, When you were dead in in your sins and in the circumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Listen to this now. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That's the God we serve. That's the God that loves us. That's the God that cares about who we are. And he does not want us to live in unforgiveness of our own sins, let alone those that have hurt us. It's powerful. The nature of God is to forgive. He loves and wants relationship more than anything. That's why he is a forgiving God. The whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament and the death of Christ in the cross in the New Testament was all a satisfaction of what it meant to erase sin so that there was no gap between us and him. God desires more than anything with you and with those that have even hurt us to have relationship with us. He loves us so much he gave his only son. We'll focus on that on Friday night. I hope you can be here for Good Friday. And the evening we'll focus on the the sacrifice of Christ. And it'll be a beautiful time of communion. And I want you to come because it'll be a unique time of communion as well. So please, please, if you can make it, come. Forgiveness has nothing to do, like I said earlier, with breaking even. It has everything to do with erasing the indebtedness of someone who owes another person. That's what forgiveness is. That's what that Colossians passage says, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. In other words, our sin created a debt that we owe to God. And the only way that our sin could be forgiven is for that debt to be paid. The problem is is that we cannot pay the debt. It's too much. Because the only way to pay that debt is to live a perfect life, to, be, to have a perfect sacrifice, and blood must be shed so that that debt, that sin, could be erased. And what Jesus did was come and live a perfect life, die a horrible death, and raise from the dead. And as a result, that death that he died paid for our sins. The Bible says he came to seek and to save the lost, and to give his life as a ransom... For many, that ransom is us, the the debt that we owed, the debt that we owed. I love the song. It's an old song. He paid a debt. I owe a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. It's crazy. It's crazy. So forgiveness is this idea of giving, paying the debt that someone else owes us. And therefore, forgiveness cannot be fair. This is where it hurts. This is where it's hard. And this is why we need Jesus to really give us the ability to forgive others. Because if we don't have that understanding of that kind of love and that kind of forgiveness, then it's really hard to go beyond it to forgive others. It's really hard. It's one of the things I love about communion is that it reminds me over and over and over again the price that was paid so that I could even sit here and talk to you about Jesus. There's no righteousness of my own. It's the righteousness of God that lives in me. That lives in me. I love it. Colossians 3, 12 says this. Therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then this is the catchphrase right here. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So we know that God is a forgiving God because of all those passages we we read. We know that God loves us and has forgiven us. And now he's asking us that if there is an offense that we have with someone else, that we are to approach that transgression or that sin that someone's committed against me or you, we're to approach that same sin as if God was approaching it. That we're to love the person like Jesus loves us. That's crazy talk. It's crazy talk. Forgive as you have been forgiven by Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we get to that point where we can actually forgive like Jesus forgave us? I think first we have to kind of get a grip on what forgiveness is. And then second, we have to understand that we have to understand what has happened to us in relationship to Jesus. So in the next few moments, we're just going to take a quick look at what that means. There's three kinds of forgiveness in the New Testament, and I'm going to share a couple Greek words with you, and I'll explain them. But there's one that's called karizomai, karizomai, and that word simply means a gracious pardon. And that's the word we're going to actually focus on, but a gracious pardon. You and I have been pardoned by God. We are guilty. We're guilty in our sin, and we deserve death. We deserve punishment. We deserve imprisonment. Whatever you want to identify as a a guilty verdict. And then there's a sentence that goes along with that. What happens when people are sentenced, and then they're forgiven of that sentence, that's called a pardon. And we get grace, which is unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve what the, 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 the sin requires as a punishment. We don't deserve the gift of grace. We deserve the punishment of sin. And charizomai is simply a gracious pardon. There's another one called aphesis, the putting away of debt. The putting away of debt. And then there's another one called paresis, which is passing over, which means you just pass it over. You don't even pay attention to the sin. You continue on in the relationship. And that's a, a unique Uh, kind of forgiveness that we don't have time to get into, but those are the three kinds. And we are going to focus on this idea of a gracious pardon. You see, because the act of complete forgiveness is when debt is paid by the owner rather than the debtor or the debtee, however you want to look at it. And that's simply you and me then allowing the person who's hurt us not off, because there's always consequences to sin. And the beautiful thing about this is that that's God's job. That's God's job. But we can release that person from the debt that they owe us. And in a, in a minute, I'll talk about the difference between forgiveness and fellowship, because I don't think that everybody who's hurt you should be back in fellowship with you. Okay? Okay? And there's a little, uh, sounds like a contradiction there, but we'll get to it. So this idea of forgiveness is that we release the person from the debt that they owe us. And therefore, we are then released from feeling the feelings that we feel about them. No longer do we walk down the grocery aisle and go, oh, I don't want to see their face. You might feel that way, but internally and spiritually speaking, you are now free to release them and never have to worry about seeing them again or even being hurt by them. You might be hurt by them or they may attempt to hurt you again. But in, in this case, uh, we have released them from that pain. We have released them from the pain that they've caused us. And now we are experiencing the freedom of forgiveness. Does that make any sense? You might not like me because of what I'm saying. But you'll have to take it up with the word of God. So how have we been forgiven? If we're to forgive like Christ forgave us, then how have we been forgiven? Jesus became the solution rather than the problem, right? So even though we're the hurt ones, we need to be the solution. He humbled himself. When it, it, It's kind of a cool feeling when you know somebody's wronged you, and you can stand above them and go, You're wrong. Isn't it? I mean it's it's kind of fun to be right. It's kind of cool to look in their eye and say, You were wrong. That's not the approach Jesus took. He humbled himself. He became a servant. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, we don't have time to go into that either, but the idea is that he humbled himself by coming to earth and becoming like a man, then he humbled himself even further and became a servant, and he humbled himself even further and gave his life for the redemptive process. Forgiveness is going to cost us. Forgiveness is going to cost us. How's how's it going to cost us? It's going to cost us in the sense that we'll never get back what we lost, but we'll be set free from the hurt and the pain of the relationship. And hopefully and prayerfully, the relationship will be healed. The relationship will be be fixed. And and that's up to God, and that's up to the person that's... uh, having the forgiveness extended to them? Are they willing to be a a, a right part of the relationship after they've been wrong? That's called repentance. That's called turning away from what I did wrong and starting to do right. And then that relationship builds and builds back in trust. Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price for our sin, which is called atonement. And then he offered us a relational healing called reconciliation, and this is where I want to get into a little bit of the difference between forgiveness and fellowship. Because I don't believe that everybody that has hurt you, let's say you've been abused uh, physically, sexually, emotionally, and that person is still abusive, I don't believe you should be back in fellowship with them. But I do believe you have to release them and give that and, and allow that forgiveness to take place. And we have to say, okay, I love you, I care about you, I forgive you. I will not hold anything against you. I'm not asking anything from you. And I will express my love in my prayers for you. But until there's repentance, until there's a change of life, I cannot have fellowship with you. Does that make sense? And that, that's when the, 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 Jesus is saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? He's simply saying, why are you acting like you do when you say you've, you've accepted my love for you, but you're not doing what you, you're supposed to do? And Jesus says there's no fellowship yet because there's no repentance. There's no change of life. And until there's a change of life, there can't be that renewed fellowship. But there can be, on our side, that forgiveness. You see, I don't hold anything, and my dad's in heaven today. I'm convinced of that. I'm excited to see my redeemed dad. I'm excited to see my, my dad who's without sin I'm excited to see that person that, that hurt me, yes, but has, has completely experienced a new life in Christ. You see, what he did to me didn't cancel out his salvation. It just hurt our relationship. And today, I, I can honestly say, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm completely over it. Because every once in a while I feel the sting of his words. I hear the, the sting in his, in, of his words in my head or something like that, and I'm like, <laughs> but at the same time, I know that I have no feelings. I would love to see him again. So at the end of this, what do we do? How do we act? How do we become. A person who shows forgiveness. And I want to just bring this to your attention and we'll end right here in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 17 says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So, Paul, the writer of Ephesians, is telling the Ephesian church hey, don't give in to going back to the world that you just came out of. And then he says in verse 20 that, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So basically, Paul is saying, listen, don't give in to the temptation of being your old self. Put on the new self. The new person, the person that Jesus is making you like. And then he says this in verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. I love this passage because basically it's saying, don't play games. Be truthful with who you're in relationship with. I call it relational integrity. Be honest, be open, be real. Don't be fake. Some of us are in relationships, and you're holding back feelings and emotions that you have because you think you're keeping peace, but all you're doing is ruining your heart. That's sinking in? That one hurts, huh? I got some toes on that one. Yeah. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anytime you let anger fester, it's going to get a foothold. The enemy is going to get a foothold and make you more and more angry. Then you're going to go through the the grocery store, and you're going to be angry at that person, hoping to push some groceries over on them or, you know, wishing bad on them. If you have people in your life that you wish bad on, you're angry. I hope you get hit by a Mack truck. I know that's extreme But you know It's in the the mind of Ricardo Uh oh Anyone who has been stealing Must steal no longer But must work doing something useful With their own hands That they may have something to share With those in need Um, There's nothing worse than having a mooch In the family Right Sometimes that's hard Verse 29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, don't be something that Jesus isn't in your world. Anytime we do that, we grieve the Spirit, because the Spirit that lives in us shouldn't be represented by things that are unwholesome or unholy. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving. This is where the uh, Zomai. Be, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving. Pardoning with grace each other. Just as in Christ, God pardoned with grace for you. This whole passage right here, and I encourage you to go back and maybe make that your devotional reading for the week. Because if we would put off the old self, which is like, I want to get back at that person. I want to make sure they pay. I want to make sure they feel what they've done to me. I want to get in their face, and I want to tell them exactly what I feel, and, which is not a bad thing if you do it in love. But when we're doing it and like want to make them pay... That's unforgiveness. That's not an attempt to redeem the relationship. And what Jesus did for us is he came from heaven where he was king of kings and lord of lords and he came to earth to become a human. And when he became a human, he became a servant. And when he became a servant, he gave into and paid the the price of the sin that we've committed against him and he died for us. And paid the debt of that sin. Forgiving the person who hurt you means that you're not going to get back what you lost. But you're going to get free from what you're losing. And you're going to get that freedom back. And you're going to get that peace back. And you're going to get that place in your heart back. Where when you see that person, you don't go, Ugh. You don't get ugly every time. You can keep that love and that smile and that joy and, and that comfort that, that God brings us. You can keep that because you are acting like Jesus now, not acting like the old self. You don't have any unwholesome talk coming out of your mouth. You don't have hatred. You're not letting your anger fester and boil. You're not uh, allowing uh, something to build into your heart that isn't healthy for you. You're allowing God to completely release you and the person from the debt that they owed you. Mm -hmm. I know it's not easy. There's no simple snap of the fingers and, oh, okay, it's all gone. It really does take understanding the forgiveness we've received to be able to extend forgiveness to others. And so, my first prayer for you is that the forgiveness of Jesus would be so real to you, so powerful in your heart that you cannot do anything but extend that same forgiveness to others. You're hurt. You're resistant to this message Maybe you're white knuckling it right now Or your teeth are clenching Or you're like I don't know how to do this You don't understand pastor I was sexually abused I was emotionally traumatized I was beat I was whatever it was My divorce was ugly And it still is Whatever the case may be I guarantee you in faith in God that he is able to release you from that hurt enough so that you can release that other person from what they owe you. And you will be set free. That's the goal. That's the compassion that Jesus came to redeem our lives with. And that's the compassion we need to extend to those that hurt us. It's hard. It's hard. And it will be work, and it will be prayer, and it will be effort, but it will not go unrewarded. Let's pray. God, I believe today is a day where you're challenging all of us to release things that have an emotional string attached to it, that every time we think of that person or think of that event, it... it, triggers that frustration it triggers that hurt it causes that pain it's like a thorn I just won't go away and Lord I pray right now that you help us first to know and understand your love for us and what you did to redeem our lives and to redeem our relationship with you that you came from heaven you lived the perfect life you died a horrible death so that our sins could be forgiven. So that our relationship with you could be repaired and restored and reconciled. So that we could have life and life abundantly. And Lord, I pray that you help us to extend that same forgiveness to those that have hurt us. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you touch every heart. That you touch every life that is experiencing that pain. That that. that that offense, that hurt, that struggle, that event that triggers our, our, our emotions, I pray right now that you set each person free in the name of Jesus. And give us the power in your name and in your power to forgive others, Lord, of the sins they've committed against us. Help us, God, to release them so that we are free Lord, not to rehearse those speeches or be afraid of the times that we see these individuals, but that we could with joy know that the, the same love that you've given us has been extended to them. The same forgiveness you've given us has been extended to them. I pray that in the name of Jesus. I just want to pray specifically for you. With, please, if you wouldn't mind just respecting the privacy of each person in the room, would you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a moment? And just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need, I need to forgive those that have hurt me. I need to forgive those that I'm, I'm harboring some hurt and I want to release it. If that's you. Just raise your hand quickly and put it back down. Thank you. Yeah, God's speaking. God's speaking and he wants to release you right now. He wants to give you that strength to say, that person no longer owes me anything. Father God, I pray for each hand that was raised that in the name of Jesus, you would release each person from the the sense of of debt that they feel owed. Lord, I pray that you allow them to release that person and and help them to know that they no longer owe them and no longer am I bound by that hurt that they caused me. And I pray, Father, for forgiveness to flow through this body right now in Jesus' name. I pray for anyone online, I pray for anyone on site, that in the name of Jesus, you would give us strength to forgive like you've forgiven us. And we thank you and we praise you for it, and we have a newfound love, a newfound freedom, a newfound joy in knowing that no one owes us anything. And that we can praise you for the forgiveness you've given us. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. And if you're here, online or on site, and you have yet to experience God's love, grace, and forgiveness, if you have yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I want to invite you to do one thing right now, and that's just confess your sin. Those things that you've done to offend God, He died on the cross to forgive you. All we have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, and I will accept your forgiveness based on the work you did on the cross. And Jesus, thank you for raising from the dead so that I could have eternal life, and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. If you pray that prayer, then you are saved, the Bible says. So let's pray that one more time. Jesus, forgive me of my sin, and I accept your forgiveness because of the work and the love that you showed on the cross. And I thank you for giving me eternal life by raising from the dead. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.